The Elseworlds Exchange podcast is recorded live on youtube.com slash comic pop returns. Catch a ton of different comic book podcasts on youtube.com slash comic pop and youtube.com slash comic pop returns, including shows like Back Issues, Off the Rack, and of course, The Elseworlds Exchange. If you like what you've heard, give us a good review. And if you want to help us out more directly, you can always go to patreon.com slash comic pop to check out all the rewards we've got going on over there. Hi, everybody, and welcome to a live episode of The Elseworlds Exchange. I'm Sal. And I'm Joel. Well, uh, unless you're listening to this show after the fact, in which case it's not live, but it was it live. It happened in real time. <laughs> and so if you'd like to be able to catch it live, you should go to this channel, subscribe to it, click the bell for notifications, give the video a like. It helps us out. But uh, you will get notified once you hit that bell so that you know when the show does go live or when any show on this channel goes mm-hmm. live. Joel, it's been about a minute. How you doing, man? Oh, you know, can't complain, you know, hanging in there, been busy and everything, uh, trying to put out stuff for the channel, trying to get uh, my D&D game back up and running again, Capes and Crooks. I think we're going to try for this Sunday live. Again, it depends if, you know, one person can make it. I don't want to put them on blast and put them in the spotlight, but they've had a bunch of stuff going on. The the, the real enemy in any Dungeons and Dragons game is not the dragons. It is scheduling conflicts. Bingo. That's right. Yeah, trying to get any kind of role-playing game, even if it wasn't made for content, if it was just for yeah. recreation, is impossible. You, or you ever tried to get four adults to do anything? Right? <clears throat> the only time you can get anybody to show up is usually for a funeral. Yeah, which is sad, isn't it? You know, a wedding or a funeral, and at a certain age, wow, I'm going to less uh, weddings and way more funerals now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we are a little early. I do apologize for starting a little bit early, but listen you know that's the that them's the breaks uh i'm i'm excited to talk about this because it's been like in my craw a little bit and Mm. uh recent events from our sphere that is to say like disney plus and dc movies and stuff like that have got me really thinking about this and so i reached out to joel and i was like joel we got to talk about this this is something that's very near and dear to me uh that i really want to talk about and it's has fandom completely changed Mm. or are there bigger forces at work here? Obviously, it's a loaded question. It's not of really. Uh, I we'll get into it, but uh, do you it's have an eye like, grabbing title? Exactly, but no. I mean, we are gonna we're gonna seek to answer that question, and we are going to hopefully jump into a little bit more of that. Uh, what do do you have any like kind of quick thoughts on mm. this topic, Joel? Well, you know, it's funny. Usually when we do an episode like this, obviously I come in with my own thoughts, but I also try and, you know, read some articles and, you know, see what other people are thinking and try and, you know, get myself more informed. Yes, but believe it or not, everyone, I'm not always shooting from the hip. I do try and educate myself. On this topic, I'm not going to lie. I didn't find a a lot of, you know, well-sourced, put-together articles on the matter. And the stuff I did find, you know, kind of reeked of like, oh, you started with the answer you wanted and then subtracted till you got the answer you were looking for. And I'm like, ah, oh, these aren't really good. So th- that was a shame that I don't think anyone has really put together like the ultimate essay on the subject or the ultimate paper on the matter of shifting fandoms. I think we're in it and we can feel it and we all have thoughts on it, but I don't think anyone has really, you know, put pen to paper on it. Mm, I see. It's interesting. Uh, I also did a little bit of research on this just to try and see if anybody had already spoken on the subject. Mm. If, if anybody is like trying to kind of like get the... Get the, get the word on this one to be, to be the kind of like authority on this subject. Mm-hmm. And I too couldn't find too, too much in terms of scholarly articles about the nature of fandom and the shifting mm-hmm. uh, perspectives thereof. I did find an interesting YouTube video 
that uh, delved into a little bit, but it was about sports fandom. But I still think Ooh. that it's relative. Uh, it's it's relatively related because, of course, any fandom fits under the umbrella that is yes. called fandom. Oh yeah, there's um, more in common than it's not. In fact, hey, you know, if you want to even extrapolate it even further, politics and religion. What are they if not just two massive fandoms? Absolutely no, and those those two uh, elements that you brought up, while controversial and while their own subject, are also. Uh, I think casualties of the changes that have taken place that have affected things like fandom. I think that politics, religion, fandom, and any belief system Mm. has been affected by these forces that we're talking about that make us perceive, you know, I, I, every time that anything comes up, anyone mentions that they're that why are things so political Mm. religious Mm. like why why are any why is everything about this one thing when in reality maybe it isn't but you're noticing that things have shifted the conversation the way in which we talk the language that we use to uh penetrate these mediums has changed in a profound way and it's a double-edged sword you know i appreciate that the things i like now can be under a better microscope and that we can talk about them a little bit more maturely a little bit more worldly and everything and being like yeah you know let's actually give this the extra thought and consideration it deserves but yes a lot of the time it does devolve into just you know line drawing right absolutely it's funny you mentioned talking about this kind of thing with uh with with a more heady perspective, you know, like now we can finally take our fandoms and our entertainment and we can talk about them in kind of an, a, a, a more mature way. Mm-hmm. And uh, that in particular was an item that uh, scratched an itch for me mm-hmm. where I was like, I wonder about that because there is a there in many ways, fandom, particularly our sphere. And we're going to be talking specifically about geek fandom about comics and about Mm. movies that's that's kind of the world that we live in so when we say fandom i want the audience to understand we're we're primarily referring to the fandoms that we talk about to to the geek space but i'm sure a lot of the stuff we say will be applicable because again you know you mentioned sports there and i mean hey as much as you know we like to think ah you know the nerds are here and the jocks are over here Honestly, we do a lot of the same things. We dress up, we go to our things, you know, we get really involved sometimes in the weeds about. Oh, absolutely. How how often do you hear about like a drunken game of D&D versus a drunken tailgating party at the latest like Giants game? And it's like, yeah, it's it's very similar. But we're going to be primarily talking about those things. But listen, these credits transfer. So if you have if you happen to catch the show and you're not particularly well versed in movies or comics or whatever, doesn't matter. You might still learn something. You might still get something out of this. I should mention also that this show, uh, to keep those corporate sponsors out, is sponsored by you. If you're watching the show live, you can ask a question or make a comment here using Super Chats, and we will read it here on the show, and hopefully it will add to the overall conversation. I'm going to be selectively doing that just to kind of take breaks because I don't want to interrupt the flow of the discussion, uh, but please feel free to do so because you will be addressed. It will come up. Uh, but yeah, so um, apropos of the whole, like, uh that world that like kind of element of 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 fandom and the like the influence oh the discussion the the, the headier conversation about mm. um about media yeah you know i remember a time when those things were not to, the career of kevin smith is predicated on the idea that people primarily and outwardly didn't talk about their fandoms 
with any sincerity. This is true. This is why Clerks was such a big deal, where it's like, hey, the man on the screen likes the things I like. Exactly. And uh, I have a I have an interesting theory about that, and it's something that like I just I wrote. I wrote like a like a monologue about mm-hmm. it. So I'm just going to kind of like paraphrase slash read it a little bit. Please do. Because I, I think that speaks to why we're where we are. Because I think in many ways fandom has changed, but not in the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. It's more that fandom had changed. And now the language by which we talk about it has changed. Interesting. Uh, but uh, I think that the deregulation of media in the 80s actually ended up creating an exhale-inhale reaction of pop culture mm. uh, media consumption. Uh, the rampant proliferation of entertainment media, and more importantly, the blurring of the line between entertainment and advertising affected oh, my yes. generation like none of before like 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 none before you like uh, your turtles you like your star wars you like uh what is it your transformers yeah you, you like them you got good memories wrapped up in them but never let it be forgotten that those were basically ads exactly the effect of entertainment media from like the 60s and 70s on its younger generation in the form of like music tv film counterculture was kind of like if you want to call it the, if you want to use this like war terminology, I'd call it like a carpet bomb from advertisers, mm-hmm. creators, and corporations. Uh, just kind of like we're just trying to get everybody. Ah, yeah. Let's see how it works. Uh, and that gave birth, I think, to like the Gen Xers who were oh, like, yeah. who could see it, you know, who could hear the bombs dropping, and we're like, boo! It's all uh, corporate, whereas, man. It's all plastic, fantastic Madison Avenue. Yes. Uh, whereas because of the deregulation of the 80s, my generation's equivalent uh, was a barrage of targeted drone strikes mm. at my culture. Uh, as a result, people our age uh, have kind of our identities intertwined with pop culture literally by design. And intertwined with consumerism, too, isn't about that. Oh, how uh-huh. how big is your collection? Ooh, do you have the special variant cover? Do you have that special Comic-Con exclusive figure? Well, and that's, of course, like, that's wrapped up in geek culture, the collector oh, yeah. mindset. I mean, like, how many times? I, I know people from the 70s, and I wasn't alive during then, but I knew them. Uh, later on who uh, had their identities wrapped up in knowing the most bands having those 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 special records having uh you know maybe niche technology that was inferior to the technology of the time like i have a guy who is just obsessed with eight tracks and i'm like (laughs) that's those suck like i appreciate it right i appreciate people who appreciate like beta versus vhs because beta is technically like a better format but also bigger clunkier you could record less on it like it, it is it is a dinosaur, but eight tracks are shitty. <laughs> like you like it because it didn't work, you know? Yeah. Like like laser discs. Like sure, laser discs were great when they first came out. Or but HD like, DVDs. HD DVD. Well, at least HD DVDs, you could watch the whole damn movie in HD. You know, the, with laser discs, it was like it was technically the most clear picture, but also I had to flip the damn thing over. Ooh. You know, it interrupted the experience. Blu-rays are demonstrably better than than laser discs, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, the internet invited all generations to the table. Because my point is, like, it would be bad enough if we had millennials who were obsessed with serial mascots. Yeah, but then came the technological leaps over the next couple of years after that. And now, suddenly internet, everyone's invited to the party. Exactly. The internet invited all generations to the table, encouraged my generation to pick up the features uh, and engineer a curated playground for literally everybody and their interests. 
what may have been a predilection towards serial cartoons may have even uh, may, may became an even more ingrained identity. Mm. Uh, it wasn't enough that like you appreciated that, you know, Post or Kellogg's put a cartoon rabbit on the box. Uh, but now you could seek out like all the generations of those serial mascots and you could you could like meet groups that also appreciated those things and 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 so your love of this thing that was only supposed to exist for a certain amount of time could could live on forever man you you so nailed it right there and i wanted to touch on this exact same thing you brought up here the internet supercharged fandom to the point where it didn't matter how young or old you were whether you were black or white man or woman what have you you could be a fan of something in record time say you like doctor who hey it's all there on the internet from like the black and white stuff up into the modern stuff you could do that say you like gundam well there's thousands of hours of gundam for you to catch up on and like hey Who's to say that, you know, Johnny Come Lately fan is any more or less fan than anyone who was there when it was new? Because, hey, I, I watched it last week, man. Well, I watched it all. I now have all access to it. I have I inherited all of the research that you guys did mm-hmm. and wrote down and made available. So now we're all literally on the same equal playing field when it comes yeah. to our enjoyment or or obsession with this thing. Kind of crazy, um, huh? Now, the idea of, like, the internet allowing us to, like, not only take that kind of, like, targeted advertising curation into your personality, that would be it. That would be bad enough. Mm. And then the internet compounding it would be bad enough. But then those group, but then uh, technology increased even further. And then all those groups who benefited from deregulation, like... All those groups that made my generation also came to the party Mm. and they brought with them their belief systems and their personal baggages, uh, their their baggages. But like these companies, these groups that were like, hey, now that there is no regulation, uh, we just inherited the the most direct line of communication with our with our potential audience and expanded our audience from people who are watching cartoons in the East coast in 19, like 92 to the whole effing world. <laughs> and so all the people who grew fat off of generational manipulation came to the internet party and bombardment doesn't even begin to describe the way in which companies, advertisers and special interest groups target and influence its users. We have a word for that. I'm not even going to use bombardment. It's viral. Yeah. Ooh. So, we are now in like this kind of like viral age of manipulation, advertisement, fandom. And that's the world that we are in now. And we have been in for call it 20 years because people who were born in the two thousands are going to be like, well, I mean, you know, it's only been around for as long as I've been alive. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, actually like the internet has been around since 83. You guys have grown up in this world this 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 cyclone you you don't remember a world without it you and i are like maybe the last generation who remember a world without internet or remember a world where it was shitty where it was dial up exactly but like the that bombardment has been around for a while so like the language we're aware of it Mm. like we've been aware of it this is not news the idea that like companies special interest groups people in general are using fandoms and 
belief systems and you know familiar entertainment mediums to their own benefit that's mm. that's a, that's a, that's almost the oldest profession yeah so you know you, so we're all on the same page like we're all in the, in the same boat is my point um so now the question is has fandom changed like you know i remember a time when like i could just like a thing and you know mm. blah 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 like has it really changed from there to there not really i don't no. think i don't think it has i think that fans have always been fans but i think that the point of bringing all that up about like the generational manipulation and, you know, uh, deregulation and whatnot is a way to kind of contextualize why we're here. Right. And, and why we are susceptible to further manipulation mm -hmm. in our enjoyment of entertainment media. Right. And, and I feel much the same way too. I, I don't think fandom has changed all that much at all either. I think it's bigger. I think it's on a bigger stage because, you know, the geek culture that we love went from being a bit more of an underground thing, a bit more of a stigmatized thing. We did a whole sure. thing on stigma, a whole episode before mm -hmm. to where we got to live to see, you know, geek culture become the pop culture, become the, the backbone of entertainment. Now, I mean, superhero movies are the biggest thing in the world, biggest thing on streaming, and it doesn't look like it's about to change. Uh, I, I was doing a writing project on a Venture Brothers yeah. uh, for, for another thing. It'll probably see the light of day at some point. Again, it's a big whole writing project that I'm involved in. Uh, it's funny when going through the making of book and, you know, listening to Jackson Public and uh, Doc Hammer, who are two super nerdy guys in and of their own right, for like stuff you wouldn't even consider being nerdy, like British new romantic bands and like, you know, Hardy Boys books and everything. One of the big notes they had in the first two seasons of that show from Mike Lazo and Adult Swim were like, mm, these jokes are a little nerdy. Mm, they're a little inside baseball and everything. <laughs> Do you think, you know, uh, general audiences are going to respond to this? Do you think they're going to like this? And this is like early 2000s. And I think sure. that's hilarious that that was a note. This might be too nerdy, guys. We don't know if people are really going to respond to this. Oh, Little did we know that Venture Brothers and these guys were really at the vanguard Iron Man would hit in 2008 and the world as we know it would change. <laughs> yeah. And to think that Venture Brothers may have at any point tried to be for general audiences is laughable. Right. Like, I, I guess it's because the people at Adult Swim slash Cartoon Network were like, well, Johnny Quest didn't make any references. Like, Johnny yeah. Quest just was a cultural icon. This is a parody of that. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing like we can kind of just make a new generational Johnny Quest kind of show. And just and then it's like, it, yeah. no, this is a pastiche of everything. And it is it is a commentary on the culture that created it in the first place. And would only become more of a pastiche as time. Oh, went yeah. On. No, it, almost distractingly. So where it's like Venture Brothers, be, I think it turned into a kind of like snake eating in its own tail situation <laughs> where it was like you are like by season three when it's like every episode there's some kind of massive x-files level question but about someone in the cast i was like what are you doing like you're presupposing that everyone who's watching this show gives that much of a shit <laughs> about this person's trauma or about some secret child that came out of nowhere you know what i mean like and it's just i appreciate it but it's very nerdy you know it's very. it's very like and purposefully it's, so it's like hey do you love lord do you love chewing on every little yeah, bit of this lore. do you love it's, world is, building yeah yeah and it's very like self-referential and uh self-indulgent you might say and that's mm. that's the thing is that you could tell like 
I remember when the show took like five years to make the next season, and I was yeah. like, I I would appreciate how long this took if I'd seen your names on anything else <laughs> in that time. Uh, but like the other thing that I think is a big factor to the to to why we think fandom has shifted and changed is a is a term called rapid digestion. Do mm, tell. That I I came across in my in my research. Rapid digestion applies uh i've heard it applied to tiktok but i could right. also probably apply it to everything youtube netflix in particular mm. like the kind the binge culture yes. where it, it, just as you pointed out earlier let's say i was like a, i had a passing or tertiary interest in a doctor who or an evangelion or yeah. something whereas it would take me time effort work and there's almost something precious about that in and of itself. The, the, the hunt. The hunt. The, and we romanticize uh, the hunt as nerds, too. You I, know, I, I do very much. Yeah. But I think that the hunt, I think that the uh, the gamification of, of knowledge and mm. the, like, pursuit uh, has its own rewards. Mm -hmm. And, like, you feel accomplished. Like, I know that, uh, like, what was it? My wife's a huge Sailor Moon fan. And mm. she was she was a kid. You know, it's like it wasn't a lot of Sailor Moon stuff, you know, it but it really wasn't. It was hard to Sailor, find. Yeah. But when Sailor Moon was being made, it was like, you know, late 90s when it was made for Americans, when it was out there, there was merch, but it was like not sold at the local store. It wasn't yeah. even sold at the Toys R Us. You'd have to find it places. And when she did, she felt compelled to buy it because like, when am I ever going to find this again like this? And I didn't know, just like nobody knew that. Not only would the show be like remade more accurately mm -mm. with two different dubs, but also that like that world would be generally consumable or with the with with only the 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 strokes of a few keys could I own every piece of Sailor yeah. Moon merchandise. And similarly, if I wanted to like get into a show, like a perfect example, when I was a kid, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yeah. What was the there was a there was a, a a log line for that show a tagline if you will that uh, permeated the culture of the show and it was called keep circulating the tapes. <laughs> it was an old MST3K term. What the hell does that even mean? To somebody who was born in like after 9/11, I don't even know what that means. What's a tape? But like I'm not going to describe a VHS. You know what that is, but at least through cultural context. <laughs> but like keep circulating the tapes meant that. MST3K's fandom grew through a grassroots tape circulation movement because yeah. there were a so many shows and because the show itself was a two hour show. Basically uh, you didn't have the luxury of being like, well, you could give away a, the show yeah. and still make fans and not lose money. And so because the show had originally been on like public broadcasting and then was on comedy central, like it was hard to find Piracy and, and tape trading helped this thing survive and help exactly. reach a new audience in an analog pre-internet world. In fact, hey, you know, as a fan of wrestling, the same is actually true of international wrestling. The British stuff, the Japanese stuff, the Mexican right. luchador stuff, that stuff lived almost entirely via tape trading and like weird back alley stores and everything. And also something that was thoroughly, you know, embraced by the internet where these yes. could all talk to each other in forums and be like, Oh, you got that British bulldogs match. Well, Oh, I got this like crazy Zona stuff. Exactly. Well, and, and the, that, that kind of like that, that questification <laughs> of your fandom 
made it that much more precious to you, and you claimed a little bit more auth- like uh, authority over it. Mm. Like you, you claim more ownership over it because <laughs> I, I day. yeah, well, I, I fought and I bled and I hunted for it. And now I have it, and so I and and I, not everybody does have it. Um, nowadays, with that barrier gone, with no barrier to entry for any piece mm. of media, and in fact, the proliferation of uh, some would say over proliferation of geek media. Mm-hmm. Um, it's everywhere kind of, now. It's inescapable. Yeah. You, you mentioned the merch thing with Tiff and Sailor Moon. I, I went yeah. to the store just this week, and I'm like, oh, everything's a horror movie T-shirt now because it's Halloween. Again, probably there was a time where you couldn't find horror movie merch. Now it's everywhere. Now it's next to like everything else because it is so accepted and destigmatized, and because it's Halloween too. Oh, totally. No, I mean, well, even the Halloween merchandise is still niched out. To the point where you can get like a T-shirt that makes a "They Live" reference, yeah, um, or a "They Live" action figure, for God's sake. Indeed. Uh, but but rapid digestion is a big uh, element in the changing of how we consume and interpret fandom mm-hmm. and entertainment media, because it has narrowed our attention span oh, and our yeah. focus. Despite the fact that like our focus may be more narrow than ever. But our options have never been more numerous. I hear that. So uh, there's an interesting uh, and, and how do we get there? Like rapid digestion, I think, is a, a direct result of those monsters that invaded the internet who fucked up my generation to begin with with making Transformers cartoons, uh, who then come in and they're like, "Here's what we're gonna do uh, to get." more of your dollar more of your eyeballs because it's not enough to like get your cultural identity i also need your time and you know every scrap of of of, of attention you could possibly muster there's a Um, there's a word i really hate in marketing i don't hear it as much anymore but it's like the like uh attention real estate or something like that everyone's fighting for your attention real estate now is the thing and i'm like i despise that word so much but i guess it's true in a world with so many options there where you could be doing literally anything yeah if i can control your time and your attention yeah then i then i got you by the shorties yeah i I have a i have a shorter way of describing it and thankfully it's from this article uh attention control yeah uh and basically you know so let's let's talk a little bit about like why why do we think fandom has changed at all? Like why are we talking about it? And you know, we wouldn't be talking about like the changing of fandom if it was good right. or if things were going great. I mean, it's louder now than ever before. Like I said, it's supercharged, it's yep. 24/7, it's inescapable. Yep. Fandom I think has been destigmatized to the point where people are unafraid now to say I love Star Wars and I love Star Trek and I love Game of Thrones and everything. I think it's gone so far as to say that they don't even need to actually love it to say that they love it. This is also true. I mean, you, you authenticity have, is in question. It's true. We've also, you know, witnessed the birth of anti-fandom too where it's like my hating of this thing is just as strong a fandom as anything else and there is whole communities it and has, the structures around it. Well, and and has influence over that fandom. It's not enough to do something for the fans. I'm seeing and it's and it's I've seen it in pretty much everything now where a little bit of time or energy or effort from any given fandom has to be dedicated to the anti-fan. 
Of course. And this has always been a thing, too. Uh, the disco sucks movement of <laughs> the late 70s, early 80s. People forget this disco was the biggest piece of music, you know, in the world at one time. And people despise it. There was a riot at a baseball stadium where they went to burn a bunch of disco records. And just this anti-disco bloodlust blew up into like this, you know, huge like bit of social anarchy. And I'm like, huh, I guess we are seeing a smaller version of that on the internet are we i guess people are always kind of programmed in that way that's a messed up part of human nature and also too hey if you want to look at it from the other angle too hey who who, who made all the big disco hicks oh black people and gay people huh hmm. i wonder if that was influencing at all probably <laughs> well in its own right the the other thing about that i think is that uh it's not too dis it's not too different from now in no. terms of <clears throat> our hatred of the popular or the rejection mm. of the popular yes uh, if it's popular our, it must be bad or just like when you describe people in the 70s getting together to burn disco records it doesn't sound too different from like a youtuber with 10 million followers or or, or views burning yeah. action figures you know it's How like about that <clears throat> that's i mean people that's that's a predilection people seem to have the more um, things change the more they stay the same i mean the fact that like i don't think phantom has changed in as much as it's the way it, in its dna why there are yeah. fans how fans express themselves it's just that the language has changed here's a quick re here, here's a quick letter uh it's a fan letter it's a fan letter that goes in the letters page of a comic book. Right, which back in the day was maybe one of the only times pre-internet where you could really interface with other fans and everything in the back of the book to know that you weren't so alone and there were other people out there. Now there's forums, now there's Twitter, now it's all out there. You know, the letters page was at least curated back in the day. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I have a complete collection of X-Men. My first... For out of the gate, I have a complete com collection of X Men. Just so you I, know, just so I'm showing my nerd dick and waving it around. I know everything about the X Men. I have them all. My first issue was number thirty-seven. Since then, I've been an avid fan of the book through the old and new teams. But one thirty-eight is my last issue. I quit. Mm, yes, again, I've come to the party to tell you all I'm leaving. Another thing that has not changed in the yeah. fandom discourse. The change from the old X Men to the new X Men was fairly simple to adjust to because the book was still excellent written and drawn but for the past two years since 113 i've watched the book degenerate watched the x-men become a perversion of what they once were watched you twist and mangle characters you virtually created i first decided to stop buying during the hellfire club storyline this could be a one-to-one -one for like the Krakoa era. Oh, God, yeah. any era. It works uh, for any era. Also, too, I'm looking here, X-Men 138. Which one was that exactly as I sit here and look at? Oh, it's oh, the one with Cyclops leaving. Yeah. Uh, I first decided to stop buying during the Hellfire Club storyline, but I held on for sentimental reasons and a vague hope that things would get better. During the Dark Phoenix story, I again decided to quit. See, how many times is this guy going to quit? <laughs> Two uh, of the most famous, beloved, and historic stories in X-Men. This guy hated so much, he wrote a letter about it, and they printed it. Oh boy, did history sure not come yeah. down on that guy's side. Yeah, but upon hearing the conclusion, what the conclusion would be, I decided to stick around until Cyclops left, and now I can no longer justify buying X-Men, not even to keep my collection complete. Each issue hurts too much. Not only did they hate something popular, not only did they hate this because it's different, but they also let news that they didn't actually know whether it was confirmed or not cloud their decision 
whether to read or not. Oh boy, I, what I does that sound how like? It's going to be when I when I upon I was going to stick around, but then I heard what the conclusion was going to be. Uh, God, how often do we hear that? Yeah, and I'm like, you I, don't know that for sure, <laughs> right? I love the X-Men, and if you treated them as they deserve, I would still be a faithful supporter. But until matters change, you've lost yourself a reader. Kirk Busick. <laughs> that's, that's who he is. Oh, oh, Kirk Busick wrote that. <laughs> Holy shit, that was Kirk Busick? Oh, my God. Back when he was just a fan. Oh, my God. Does he, oh, my God, does he live in fear of that? Is that, like, his old, like, you know, fucking Reddit post being found right? again? Oh my god! Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, like honestly, it, it's it's a cute little piece of history that, like, so there's a lot from that letter we can learn. One, fandoms, especially comic book fandoms, don't change too much from nope. year to year or decade to decade. Uh, two, uh, you never know who's going to be the next thing. True, because and, and that even that next people could also have a whiny, whingy man baby face. Exactly. Because, um, like, Busick is so respected now and being like, yeah, but he was a whiny little baby, too, once upon a time. Right? I mean... <laughs> Which, hopefully, that means people can change, too, is the thing. <laughs> I mean, certainly, that's the hope. There's a lot of, like, interesting lessons to be learned from that uh, one letter. And I'm sure there were a lot of people who agreed with him. I'm sure that's why they printed it in the first place. They yeah. were like... This will this will assuage uh, certain uh, fears and opinions. Like let, let's 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 let a few people who maybe like have been sending letters like this feel like they've been heard. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then boom, it's just like it's it's very interesting and indicative of like how fandom has not changed. Mm -hmm. I, I honestly, and that's that's the that's the kind of lesson for me is like I don't think that fandoms changed. I think that it's all about outside forces, and they are affecting the term and they're infecting the language that we use to describe things that have been going on for generations mm. and the bigger stage and the bigger microscope under it all too because again nerdity you know nerd fandom is the biggest thing in the world right now exactly uh there's an article i, I read this is about attention control mm -hmm. basically uh it, it it moderated the relationship between social media use and psychological distress. The idea being that, like, out of everyone on the internet, most of them use use social media in some way. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Oh for sure. Statistically speaking, I'm not talking about you, smart alley commenter who's like, I never use social media. Guess mm -hmm. what? If you're commenting on a YouTube video, you're using social media. And I don't uh, own a TV. <laughs> right. Good for you. Here's your Nobel Peace Prize. Mm -hmm. But like the the idea that a majority of people on the internet. And when I say a majority, I mean statistically all of people on the internet use social media in some yeah. way. I think it's like 6% of the population. Right. Billions of yeah. people to the point where now it is a primary method of communication for humanity. Oh, yeah. And people are thinking it should be a utility, like right up there with everything else. Exactly. But if you look at the conclusion of this study, which I'm only going to, I'll put a link in the chat, but uh, the conclusion of this, of the, of this study, and that's like really the takeaway, the findings of the study highlight a potential important factor that may alter the impact of social media use on emotional well-being. One possible implication of this finding is that heavy social media use may have problematic mental health consequences specifically for those who experience difficulties with attention control. <laughs> I'll tell that. <laughs> now, that, I think, is a damning indictment of social media in as much as it, 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 it's, it's like 
use of social media affects your emotional well-being. Yes. Oh, God, 100%. I know people who have gotten on Twitter way later in life, and they got really fucking sad and depressed about it. I'm like, why did you do that? You did that to yourself. You're a late adopter to Twitter. You shouldn't have done it. Absolutely. Now, but, but the fact is, because a majority of internet users use social media, one can't dismiss it. You can't say, well, they're on social media. They deserve it. Because a vast all statistically most if not all of the people who you communicate with on a daily basis on an every moment basis use social media and there is a link whether it's proven or not between that and emotional distress oh absolutely so you're 100 you're seeing the tools that we are using every day that people are born into now generation generation Kids are born with smartphones in their hand, which scares the shit out of me. Right. But it's like, and it's not the technology of a phone that can communicate. Like my kid is out in the woods. They have a phone. Now I'll find them. Yeah. But the the use of social media. Oh, yeah. The, the technology is good and sound. The technology works. We, we suck. We're the problem. <laughs> I mean, uh, on uh, in many ways, I think like, we are the problem in every case. Like in every oh, yeah. human example, human error is the issue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, we have to stop blaming humanity for being humans mm. at some point and be like, yo, sometimes, like if if all grocery stores only had candy, <laughs> you know, we'd have <laughs> no teeth. Candy, yeah. Right. So at one point, you know, at some point or another, it's about access and it's about availability and right. it's about like the the acceptance of the norm and social media slash social media adjacent elements like us, YouTube podcasts, uh, you know, everything that is and connects with social media right. is a factor and affects emotional well-being. Um, if that is the case, if, if a daily bombardment of the thing that you are told from birth now, generationally speaking, uh, is normal is also psychologically affecting you negatively. Mm. It will change elements of everything. Oh, it'll change your whole perception. It'll recall your world. But it, and, it, and it does. And that is how, that's how fandom is changing. Fandom is changing in as much as humans' brains are being morphed by... Yes. By... by I, I hesitate to use the word toxic, but like... What else are you going to call it? Easily manipulated... <laughs> technology yes and you see it a lot all the time too like uh what is it a, usually whenever a new big movie comes out a couple months later when it's on streaming i'll see people being like that movie was great why did i listen to the internet and not see that yeah but at the same time and, he, and that's the other thing for fandom i don't think fandoms changed as much as that too like with with our with respect to like personalities right personalities on the media you consume mm-hmm. that's been the case forever oh and when there's I always been forever, I mean, makers yeah i mean Siskel and Ebert, Ebert and Roper, yeah. uh, uh, Leonard Malton, like film critics existed during oh, yeah. the time when I think the modern era of fandom was born. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which is like 1976. Because they were film nerds themselves is what it was, because you become a film critic when you're a massive film nerd and everything. But I was, I was just, just watching this documentary about Star Wars uh, the other day, and in it, they were talking about how, um, you know, like the modern blockbuster was kind of redefined as a result mm. of Star Wars. Um, but we learned as a culture more about the inner workings of the film industry because it was used as a metric for success. So it's like, you know, Star Wars, 
made however many millions of dollars that 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 weekend normally box office grosses percentages this is these, these are terms these are ideas that like the the majority of the movie going public didn't know about didn't want to know about right but now suddenly because it was there was a great unifier like star wars that get everybody on the same page they were all using the same language it's all to communicate with each other so they were all they and they were all using the same language of like uh of gross and box office performance Ooh. and budgets. And so they were all using the same interchangeable language that the if you film spent industry a lot was using and internally. made a lot, then it must be good, right? Because right. that's how we always perceive things in North America. Success makes you good, money makes you good. Sure. Well that and that's one way of like having that 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 uh capitalist kind of mentality mm-hmm. affected. But but also I'm showing you that like these are tools that were presented to us from the tastemakers, as you called them, um, of, of the time. Social media is doing the same thing now. Um, and, yes, and tools that are still being used today. Rotten Tomatoes. People are really into that. People are really into box office. I'm like, it doesn't fucking matter. Is the movie good or not? Plenty of good movies were financial failures and plenty right. of really shitty movies made a ton of money and were forgotten and completely scrubbed from yeah. culture just a few months later. And we've had the same, but we've had the same argument. We've had the same conversation for 50 years. The idea that like, uh, why, why didn't I just go see the movie? Why didn't I just trust my own gut? Yeah. Why wasn't I just, why was I influenced by outside forces? Why did I read the local newspaper critics review? Why did I watch Ebert and Roper talk about the movie? Mm-hmm. Like, why did I care? Why did I watch those two smart alecky YouTubers talk about it? Why did I listen to that podcast mm-hmm. about it? Why did I read that tweet about it? You know, what? that's all the same shit. Yeah, it's just it's but, been playing but, out forever. <laughs> yeah, but I think that social media and the uh, the advent of the internet's uh, you know ease, uh, ubiquitousness when it comes to the rest of us uh, has changed things. So it's like there's more there's more at stake and there's more there's more going on than just I didn't go see the Black Adam movie because mm. I heard it sucked. N- now I think what's going on is people have I mean. On one hand, the barrier for information has been eroded. Oh, absolutely. And as a result, we have not only unfettered access to information, but misinformation. And oh, uh, oh yes. So we're we're living in a world where it's like I know everything, or I can, and I have access to all data, including faulty or bad data. Mm-hmm. And the people who have faulty or bad data have a vested interest in couching what they have as good data. Yes, because uh, their uh, their identity is tied up in that, and it's the sunken cost narrative. Well, I've spent so much time on this misinformation yeah. that it would completely, you know, blow up my whole world if I was proven wrong. And that's right. also human nature, too, when people met with, you know, things that contradict, you know, uh, values and entrenched shit and everything, they will double down and fight back against it twice as hard, which, again, I think, as we know from working on the internet it is very hard to try and correct someone well plus you got the people who generate that data and have a vested interest in like advertising and 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 manipulation of their audience we saw that uh what was it i'm not gonna i don't want to talk about sides but i will say that it has it has been revealed and i'll see if i can pull up an article about it but like the uh youtube prefers youtube will show you a particular leaning politically 
style content. Anything angry, anything hateful gets right. much more retention and gets shared way more. I mean, shit, friggin' honest trailers referenced that in their She-Hulk episode just recently where they're oh, like, yeah. no, we, we absolutely, and again, you know, friggin' honest trailers, you know, we're, you know, pretty like, you know, mid-tier, you know, middle of the road YouTube channel that's very popular. And when even they can say it, where they're like, oh yeah, YouTube is totally runs on the back of like friggin', you know, hatred and anger and vitriol yeah. and everything. And that's the stuff that gets pushed more than anything, which makes it seem more inescapable which in doing so colors your world exactly so it's not but but so what what originally started as let's say a 36 year old guy he's a blue collar worker he gets up in the morning he has a job he hates he's got a world that he like barely understands mm -hmm. he opens up the newspaper says that there's this movie about a fish that's killing people in the movie in the movies he's gonna go watch it mm -hmm. uh that's all that enters his mind. What yeah. he's thinking about is like what he needs to get done that day. And maybe I'll escape for a week, for an hour or two this Saturday and watch this movie about the fish mm -hmm. today. You're not just going to see a movie. And that's where, that's why I did all that preamble today. You're going to watch a movie. Mm. Well, I have access to all information everywhere. Mm -hmm. I'm on social media. I'm bombarded by all that information. I'm bombarded by all that misinformation. Also, the economy is in the toilet. Mm -hmm. Also, I have no money. Also, I'm, I see a curated version of everyone else's reality. Yep. So I am in a worse headspace than my two generational predecessor. <laughs> How about because, that? Because even if he hated his hedgehog of a wife and his two <laughs> no good children and his job that, it hate, that he hates, he's not that's all that's his whole world he doesn't also now unless depending on the weird on the year he also may think about like nuclear annihilation or he might have some undiagnosed ptsd from the last american <laughs> war exactly. and everything but uh but a he's not allowed to think about that nope. and b, uh, the, nope, just have a yeah. shot and don't talk about it yep. and, and b the idea of nuclear annihilation and talking to people who live during that time it's like it was too big it was too big to really think about. Yeah. There was the existential dread of that world, but like even then, as a child, it was hard to really even fathom. Well, um, we're on the eve of destruction, <laughs> right? But we're but but getting that constantly and every day being told that like everything's broken, everything sucks. You're at, and then finding out like that there's new words for everything and that the world is changing, even though the world, as we've described, hasn't really changed. No. It's just, like, made, it's just there's a bigger stage and a bigger, you know, friggin' microscope than ever before. And, hey, one of the cool things about the Internet is we actually get to hear from different people from all over the world and get to hear them speak their truth and their stories and be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, if I if I know all this friggin' Transformers lore, then I guess I can probably learn some new words, too, just <laughs> to not be a dick. <laughs> right. I, I, I mean, I would hope. Uh, yeah. But the, the, and, and, and that's an ideal version of uh, of 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 being online like, I, oh I, I, i'm nothing if not an idealist yeah <laughs> i have all this access to 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 new cultures and new mm. concepts and uh, and opening my horizons even further good for you that's, <laughs> and, that's great. I, and i'm just gonna sit down and listen is what right. I'm gonna all i'm gonna do is listen learn and get better and grow <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's about but, getting better like ron yeah. funch's podcast says it's all about getting better it's Doing all about that i can yeah it's all about getting better uh <laughs> I, I would say that uh let's say 50 percent of the audience uh of the world is not that idyllic but, yeah uh so you'll see this all that baggage mm -hmm, associated mm -hmm. with it is then ascribed to you going to go see this movie about a guy who says shazam and turns into a a, a flying super badass like 
it's not enough. It, like it, you can't just be watching that. Yeah, you can't oh, just course, go yeah. see a movie. Now it's all about like, well, can I afford to go see the movie? What is the movie trying to say? Mm-hmm. What who who made the movie? Plus, because of the language change and because of the like the adding of uh of the details thanks to like star wars and whatnot um now i'm i'm so well versed passively in the vernacular of like filmmaking and stuff it's not enough where i'm like oh maybe i'll go see the new picture by that guy oh that's the director of the thing i liked from before i guess i'll Ooh. watch it now it's like well uh i like their earlier work or oh well um i don't like the studio that's making it man zaslav yeah. is really screwing the pooch and it's like how do you know that person's name well because i spend so much time looking at all of this stuff and it's like if, if I go see this movie, am I a bad person? Am I hurting right. animators who are having their shows deleted? Am I hurting creators who had their finished movies taken away from them? Can you imagine being an a, like an eleven year old and just liking Marvel movies, and then being told by like some some douchey thirteen year old like, you know, everybody who made those movies are like slaves basically, and they're not making any money, and every time you watch them, you're basically telling them that like you don't care. It's like <laughs> I, I don't have to imagine it. I've seen it right so it's like that's insane so it's like for me that is the nature of the change in fandom. it's it's the the curse of knowledge is what it is we know more and when you know more you're supposed to do better but as we've said human nature is the real problem and the real hurdle to everything sure yeah that's always the thing but as i said like it's it's you know we should seek to better ourselves but at one point or another we can't we, we we can't just go like well we're humans. That's that's really the problem. No, like, I'm just one man. There's no ethical consumption under consumerism, right. <laughs> under there's capitalism. A of, man. There's a lot of crap. And, uh, and and at one point or another, you need to be like discerning of that crap. And, mm-hmm. and, and I sure. hope my hope by talking about this is by shedding a light on it and by saying like, you know, because when I was talking about this earlier, you know, like part of the problem is the burden of knowledge and the and the over uh, you know uh, you know the over obsession of like knowing all of it and and, and being too plugged in so that's part of the problem of like the existential dread and, and know, not everyone is us too because you know no. we are plugged in because of our work and everything and i think this year has actually done a pretty good job proving that the you know quote unquote you know uh you know confirmed internet knowledge and you know the twitter sphere and everything yeah. Is actually pretty friggin' wrong because, right. le- like, what is it? Avatar and Game of Thrones are two things. Yeah. And like, no one cares about these things. They they got deleted from friggin' culture. You know, no one cares about these things. They're not going to be a big deal. Oh, the re-release of Avatar did huge. Oh, House of the Dragon was the biggest streaming release ever. Huh? I guess Twitter <laughs> doesn't know everything. I guess there really are still a lot of just Joe and Jane popcorns out there who are watching stuff because it's on and doing what they like. And I can get mad about that. I'm like, good for them. You know what? I'm actually happy to be proved wrong absolutely no and i'm 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 glad that there are still people who don't need to be informed i bet they're happier than me (laughs) certainly well uh, you know uh, or not because they are human beings and like Mm. no one's happy but like and and life sucks exactly (laughs) uh they have other things they worry about i think that the thing is like there's just and there's another element to it i think also but like that's not really about fandom it's more about human nature which is just like i think we only have so much room in yeah. our, like on our plate basically I agree. 
and we keep like and, and 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 you know it started out as like you know three course meal and now it's like every day is a three course buffet mm. and you're just like constantly overfilling your plate with like what you need to do and who you need to be and how you need to be doing that and what you're and so like it's why i think you know like cult, uh, why why uh, people are, are 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 foaming at the mouth about culture wars and why they're mm, like getting oh, upset yes. about things that have no really like, uh, that don't affect them in any yeah, way have no bearing on that i say that all the time i'm like you know you don't have to take on have a take on everything guys you well, know exactly you can just you can just let stuff happen if it doesn't affect you in any sense obviously you know you should protect people in need and you know the underappreciated and the ostracized and everything but if again you can you know it's like but- but also, they don't need to hear from you is the thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, th- this is the thing about Twitter, too, and about social media in general. It's a stage. It's not where you live. It's cool. You can just come out, do your song and dance and tell yeah. your joke, and then you can leave. It's fine. That's how I run yeah. social media. I don't live there. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think that's like that's a very important designation. Um and talking so, yeah. to you about like fandom as it relates to like identity and everything too, you know, I, I love this thing. This is going to be everything I'm about forever. I again, again, I'm sure you've seen the TikTok joke there. It's like, well, this is my personality now. Yes. Yes. I've seen that. Yeah. And it's like, well, I mean, that's good. I'm happy you like a thing, but also maybe try and be a better, more rounded fan who's interested in other things, you know, and who isn't so hyper fixated on one thing or another. And that's not a judgment. I'm super hyper fixated on many things myself, sure. but you know, I also try and like, you know, watch documentaries and go for walks and like, you know, be interested in stuff you wouldn't think that I'm interested in just, you know, to try and make myself a more rounded human being, which is really all you can do on a personal basis. And, you know, you got, you got the, I build my identity around liking this. I build my identity around hating this and forever we will clash. (laughs) Yes. Uh, And I think that like, we need to recognize like there is, you know, there's a normal, we need to normalize the idea that like fandom hasn't changed. I think one of the lessons here is like, we have access to this Kurt Busiek letter, right? Like we yeah, can oh, read yeah. that anytime. Um, that's nice. Let's, let's, let's use that element of technology changing right. uh, to our benefit where we can remember that fandom, that things about human nature uh, are not even cyclical, just consistent. Yeah, and you know, hyperfixation and and and, and hyper awareness uh, is you know, hyper is not a good word. <laughs> no, no, not really. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and so hyperfixation and hyper like obsessiveness about like these the, 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 about everything uh, will influence the way in which we engage with you know fandom, politics, religion, everything. And uh, so it's important to take a step back and be like, hey, but I think that the social media argument, I think that the like change in technology, I think that that is influencing fandom to the point where because it's influencing we, everything. Well, yeah. But and, and, and as a result, like while we have access to what came before, while we have access to the like the the the, the awareness of, oh, like this is this is, it's been doing this has been going on forever. Mm-hmm. Um we are deliberately closing doors and uh, as a result like that's the only way that like you will change how something is run how you will change like politics religion fandom etc is by closing doors and refusing to accept or understand or or acknowledge 
that which came before that which is like you know what i mean like Those that which influences from history are doomed to repeat it yeah well but i don't even think that you'll repeat history like there's no like dark ages of fandom outside of bullying but like mm. i think that you know the, the, i don't know man i think bullying's uh, set for a comeback you know swirlies wet willies pants things is gonna be really big in 2030 i don't think it's gone away i think that obviously bullying, not it, it's obviously gone online not. too now it's yeah. cyberbullying and yeah, now it's cyberbullying now it's like well i won't uh you know i won't like make fun of you or pants you instead i will like uh i will drive you to you know self-harm and it's like I, uh, I made a very rude tiktok of you set to a very fun song right exactly yeah yeah uh but let's jump into some super chats uh, yes, see we if, got we, lots of if we can address any other questions that might sure. come up uh fear and loathing in general says fandom itself is one of the most profitable ventures anyone can take advantage of especially when it comes to the internet's affinity for other people's nostalgia mm. people have become fans of fandoms mm. now, I've, I've never heard that before that's interesting yeah people are fans of fandom like again th there's people where it's like oh no i never read that or oh no i've never seen that well then why are yeah. you so passionate about this why are you so up in this mm -hmm. yeah i knew a person who had been working on like a book about like one of joss whedon's properties and i don't know if they were like a fan of the property or if they just found that fandom fascinating it, because again i think it's it's identity it's people watching it's a sense of community yeah it's very again it's more interesting human nature stuff because fandom is just an extension of people and of human nature the good and the bad tick noro says speaking of changing fandom uh has doing your shows changed your perspective on comics are there comics you liked that you no longer do or comics you didn't now you do mm. uh interesting question but uh in my case i could say that like there's no comics that i used to like but i don't anymore um certainly as a result of being a i hesitate to use the word public figure but working online in front of an audience for this long uh i certainly have lost my affinity for things um because of the rabid reaction i have gotten as a result right. of them like i will i don't like talking about star wars at all when i used to spend hours that has sucked the fun out of it it's just it's no fun it's there's no joy um so that hurt but you know i uh, i would say i'm a little bit more self-critical now of myself even in like stuff i used to like like obviously you know one of the big things that got me back into comics and i really liked was garth ennis's punisher and everything right. and obviously punisher and garth ennis has a shit ton of baggage now so i feel like i do need to preface myself when i'm like look i really like this story there's some really good shit in here it was made in the early 2000s though and it has the values of the early 2000s know only that garth ennis gets a little better each time which <laughs> in his way actually makes him like you know a little cooler and a little bit more progressive than his other contemporaries who basically just froze themselves in amber when they got famous. Right. <laughs> uh, Girk Pectus says, I heard something depressing. You know how so many POS movies these days have 10 writers. They need to write 20% of a script to get credit for it. So it's more like 15 to 20 bad writers. A movie explains a lot. Mm. Interesting idea. I, I mean, that's not necessarily, uh, you know, uh, What's the what's the old expression about causation and correlation? Uh, causation uh, is not always correlation. Exactly. I, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but I do know that, um, you know, the more the more damning indictment I have is that I've heard that apparently the, the new Disney formula and when it comes to Disney, I mean, Star Wars and Marvel mm. is that they will shoot a movie like a choose your own adventure book. Oh, really? And, like they, they will like change the nature of the plot slash ending. Like they know where the movie ends and begins, but like how you right. get there, they have like 17 different scenes. Some of some of which will never see the light of day. Wow. And uh, that is disgusting and terrible because that's not how you tell stories. 
Max M says, uh, I think Sal has a good point once uh, where many geek fandoms are like toys. Nothing is ever as good as the stories you have in your head. And there is a dissatisfaction when those stories are not real. That's certainly the case when it comes to like, I think that's the case when it comes to people who have a, you know, from my generation who have ascribed their identity thanks to advertisers and deregulation to it, something that was inherently a toy commercial. Absolutely. It's also where we hit on the idea of fan entitlement, which is something we hear a lot too, where it's like this movie, this game, this thing did not match the one I had in my head. And as someone yeah. who has bought all the things and made my entire identity about this, I am angry, sir, and I demand recompense mass effect perfect example of this you know in the gaming sphere when mass effect 3 ended no one liked the ending and it led to basically a years-long pissing and moaning session where even back then i'm just like yeah i don't think i'm into gamer culture as much as i am because i'm (laughs) like did i like the ending no would i have liked it to have ended differently yeah did i still have fun and you know still felt like i got my money's worth yeah and i'm also not going to make hating a thing my identity Right. Uh, f- furthermore, too, on the subject of toys, another thing we're seeing now is companies, as you mentioned before, of the titans of this realize, oh, people who grew up on this stuff are in their 30s now. We can yeah. sell them back their dreams. Hey, Joel, remember all those Power Ranger toys that you loved and lost? Well, guess what? There's new ones now, and the sculpts are better, and they're more expensive, and they're more posable. Ah, you want it, don't you? You want to buy back Christmas morning when you were six, don't you? I mean, I mean kind of. Yeah, because you're a 30-year-old, and you're not going to be able to own a house or anything else with how fucked <laughs> up the economy is, but you can have this die-cut Red Ranger. I'm like, okay, fine, give me the die-cut Red Ranger, then. Yeah, that's certainly, yeah, that's absolutely a a thing that is happening uh brady white how do you do i just watched my first episode of star trek episode one of the original series it doesn't feel six years old but i'm definitely gonna watch more nice well i'm glad that you're enjoying it man uh that's that's the timelessness of star trek man good tv Uh, does have a timeless quality the captain coon i think the internet has changed fandom as now it's easier than ever to find people who shared common interests but it means that you can easily find that uh those that are the worst type of people in fandom yeah that's i mean like i think it's yeah, I, I agree with you, and I think that's exactly where we are, where it's like, it's why we see a proliferation of the worst parts of humanity, mm. because what used to be... A guy cult- shouting on a street corner. <laughs> yeah, culturally crapped on, uh, now is like a secret shame slash badge of honor that you mm. uh, you retreat to, It's a, you know, your bubble. Yes, where, like, where we literally, you know, uh, reward not growing and not changing and not being self-critical. Exactly. And I'm seeing I've I, I mean, I know about how, uh, you know, the, these these. These comfort zones where people who should be changing don't and self, uh, you know, they 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 they, they, they perpetuate themselves. Uh, also. They bully each other. Oh, yeah, so that sure. they make sure that they don't leave or if they do think about it, it's all it's, it's a real cult mentality got to keep the anger got to you know stomp down any dissension in the ranks and again too it's it's a money thing it's a grift yeah. too you know anti-fandom is a big money maker right now which is so fucked and i guess that's a thing where we can say that fandom has changed for the worse the fact that people can actually make money now off the back of anti-fandom that is one thing i would like to change but i know it won't that's fair yeah there it's can't put the toothpaste then, like, back in the tube like oh god i remember um well it's interesting i don't know you know uh there's a uh yeah i'm not uh, because I was gonna say, there's it's 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 not really the same thing. Because it's about like it's actually about controversy and deliberately creating it to like to to hit back against a corporation. But uh, hey, Ray- Eric Bischoff, controversy equals cash. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, well, like Hart Fisher, who was like, uh, who had a real problem with Marvel. And so he sold a t-shirt that says Marvel comics can suck my cock. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's like a shirt you can't wear anywhere, but that guy made some money off it though. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, does he have a point? Maybe like, but are I, you I guess making a buck from these shirts? I guess in a proto sense, it's always existed too. Again, bring it back to wrestling there. Hey, uh, John Cena at his most hated actually sold a shirt that said John Cena sucks. So he I'm cleaned cool. off the back of that. Totally. Ray Farr, uh, Comic Pop Woo. Thank you very much, Ray. Have, you, have to catch this on the rewatch, so I'll be shipping out. Uh, I'll be out shopping, but I think current fandoms are crazier than ever. Star Wars is a fandom that comes to mind. Phantom Menace guy will get you, Sal. Yeah, mm. man, I'm telling you, like, the Star Wars was. The, the, I think the prequels in their own way were mm. a way in which we saw like we were shining a light on how intense fandoms were getting. Absolutely. Like, I, I think it's not like we saw a shift. It's more like we were made aware of the shift. There was a whole happened. documentary that was, you know, self-funded there. The people versus George Lucas, where I look back at that now and it's like, Pathetic. Oh, I was really into that when I was younger. Now I'm like, wow, that was a lot of real sour grapes and a lot of weird <laughs> parasocial relationships you have with George Lucas and everything, putting him on a metaphorical trial for ruining your childhood and everything. Yeah, that's really weird. That's, that's a little fucked. And again, not everyone in the documentary felt that way. And I think at the end, they almost had like a mealy mouth kind of have your cake and eat it too, where it's like, well, we didn't like the prequels, but we can't be mad at George because he did all these other things. Right. Uh, Girk Pectus, uh, there's a famous letter in the back of Shang-Chi uh, criticizing a racist depiction of Fu Manchu, hmm. rightfully so, and many letters complaining about the criticisms. Fandom hasn't changed. There huh. you go. Uh, yeah, boy, Chips Ahoy. I know they're not the first fandoms, but when I think of modern fandom, my mind goes to Super Who Locks and then Twilight Marketing. Fandom was a uh, selling feature with your Team Edward versus Team Jacob. Mm, interesting. And that's fandom pointed at, you know, girls and young women, especially obviously because, you know, you and I are straight white hat dudes and everything. You know, that's the, the view from which we take. But yeah, wow, I never thought of that, that a big selling point of Twilight, which affected all young adult media directed at women. Yeah, it was you had to have your team and we had to yeah. draw lines in the sand. And yeah, that did become a bigger thing for fandom in general, where everyone ended up picking their side. Now, obviously, that comes off the back of shipping and everything, too, and fan fiction. I feel I feel like I'm not plugged in enough to explain this one. I feel like I want to tag in someone else. Sure, sure, one. yeah. Yeah, in, in that particular case, I'm not exactly the most well-versed, but I hear but Yeah, saying. there's there's something there, definitely. Yeah, wow. So, so, someone more plugged into this, do something with that, because that's an yeah. excellent point. Joshy Lee, nothing to add, just to thank you. Well, thank you, Joshy Lee. Thanks for being here. Uh, Nine Tail Phoenix, uh, I follow Stitch Media Mix on the Bird app, and they are a fandom analyst. They they analyze mostly from a minority and oh. gay perspective, or we'll LGBTQ plus. Nice, that's neat. Good, uh, yeah. good ad there. I'll have to check that uh, out. That sounds good. Joshua Vaughn, it's become a real fandom menace. Ha 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 ha. Girk Pectus, I remember when uh, Kazakhstan uh, had that sleeping virus. People were joking that Freddy Krueger <laughs> is real. People were getting hurt. Now is not the time. Oof. Oof. I I don't remember that. <laughs> It does uh, sound fried. You remember the sleeping virus. Psycho Red, uh, at 18, I had to pry Doctor Who from my personality as I spent my early years ingraining in it. Mm. Uh, fandom is rabid now. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I remember like being obsessed with certain things and then eventually like just either tapping out, maxing mm. out, uh, burning out. Like, yeah. But the, nowadays, because of the like, because I think, you know, it was originally, I think, 
I think honestly, like it's like I, I've ascribed my personality to this thing, but also because it's like if I, I, I've become this expert in this thing, I'm great at this thing, I know this thing, I, I'm 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 a fan of this thing, I identify with this thing, and now I don't really love it as much as I used to. Mm. Maybe I don't even like it anymore. But there is so much out there that I hate, or there's so much so much out there that makes me unhappy. Mm. And this thing used to make me happy. You know, it's like not getting divorced when you absolutely should be. <laughs> Uh, young Goku over 9,000 just showed up late. Gonna catch the rewatch, but guys, that Nightwing issue two words, lol, one home, <laughs> n- one word name, Rick. <laughs> I, I haven't read it yet, but I have uh, flipped through it, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I haven't read it, so I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, oh, it, Tevia it looks says, pretty good. What about G4 TV attacking their fandom and losing? I have no idea what that means. That's I know that's not J- what happens, Tevia. No, they were <laughs> a bunch of shitty misogynists felt attacked because a woman talked. Ah, I only know that G4 TV made the critical mistake of going on TV when yeah. they existed. Like, what are you doing? They lasted a year. That's the thing. They're saying, you know, they did for games what MTV did for music. Yeah. Their time, while very important, had launched a million ships. Gaming is the most popular thing online right now. People yeah. are watching gaming stuff. They're not watching you specifically. Nope. Uh G4 TV is like the wizard magazine of like gaming 100%. culture. It, it would be like if, and by the way, G4 TV, you should have made a YouTube channel when they start. Or even more, uh, I think they should have stolen the college humor. Uh, what is it model and just have yeah. their own app. Dropout is great. I love yeah, Dropout. What? I don't have Dropout. I would never, I would never pay for content I can get for free on YouTube. I'm but a- well, that's the thing. That's because they got like the actual shows they make with actual production value yes. and everything are on the app so if you want your dimension 20 and your game changer and everything else it's over there they give you a little taste right right and and that's the thing it's like i think that uh you know it would be like if wizard was like oh we have a youtube channel now Mm. and we're gonna we're gonna start we have a we have a we have have a website like newsarama or cbr yeah we're gonna give new like you're never gonna make it you're 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 streets behind uh scarlet ahadi uh that busick letter reminded me there's a marvel letters page in the 80s where a woman says i am a black female late 20s i want to see thor nude (laughs) (laughs) well honey i mean like listen i'm sorry i'm give it a couple years and fan artists will make all those dreams come true exactly you could pay any you could pay uh an artist who's drawn thor professionally to draw his wang for you Uh, more veins says asad ribbick all right i'm on it right okay i've probably asad ribbick has drawn thor nude uh michael loco i would argue that uh wanting to deliberately find that negativity on social media is an issue and one that is never really discussed i've been a victim of this without even knowing doom scrolling thoughts uh in 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 yes i have certainly i i have uh not that i've looked for it's, it's interesting i know i've certainly looked for um commentary that suits my opinion mm-hmm. on a particular subject just to kind of justify or or and also or, like i'm not crazy right it's not exactly. just me exactly like i will like there and it's really innocuous stuff like there's a i'll see a commercial and i'll just be like i hate this commercial so much and I then i'll look alone, up right? to see if there, anyone else is complaining about this commercial and it's so rare to find so i'm like all right i'm just gonna shut up uh but like, what if I had that feeling about a group of people or about yeah. like a creator? 
And instead yeah, at of least finding... our shit is harmless, but for right. some people it's not harmless. Like, Again, to talking about the actual searching out negativity, that's another very sad human nature thing there. That goes back to like friggin' caveman times where it's like, oh, that guy's really sour and really negative. He must know what's going on. He must know what rocks are safe to eat and which ones aren't. <laughs> True. Um, and it's just the fr- the most frustrating thing is like, I mean, like you watch Ratatouille, like negative criticism is fun to read and it's and fun, fun to, to write. write. Uh, Silvery Cricket, a positive about modern fandom is there is a lot more open arms to people that otherwise wouldn't be allowed to be openly themselves and enjoy a piece of media. It's true. The bigger stage means we are knocking down a lot of the old gates and a lot of the old gatekeepers who, again, are entrenching even harder now because it's like, no, this is my personality. This is my thing. This is my safe yeah. space, honestly. <laughs> right. And it's like the frustrating thing is like there's nothing that's there's nothing about them being in this that keeps you from having that experience absolutely and it's annoying too when they're like no go make your own thing and then they go make their own thing and then there's a whole anti-fandom around hating their own thing that they made uh, uh role-playing rpgs this is a huge thing they're like uh sword lesbians and like a whole other thing where it's like yeah we didn't feel welcome in dungeons and dragons and pathfinder and so we made our own thing why are you shouting down our own thing that we made yeah yeah, exactly. Again, uh, it's like you can't fucking win. No. Human nature, man. <laughs> C-Top 1106. If I had to pick one thing that bothers me about fandom, it's that when a movie, show, or game is released to the public at 12 a.m. and by 12.01 a.m., everyone is spoiling and dissecting. Thanks for the yeah, show. Thank you, man. It's yeah. annoying. That is, I mean, like, and that is in, <clears throat> you know what that is? That is just, that's spoiler culture. And uh, that is the kind of thing that people have wanted forever. People like spoilers. They want spoilers. They, they are... want to be in the know. They want that badge of honor. Exactly. And I got to tell you, man, like what sucks is like, be- I got to go it's answer just... that because right, they called back. <laughs> All right. It's the nature of the, uh, of the, of the technology, but it's our human nature that uh, like human nature makes us want to be, spoiled or makes or or, or it, it particularly we we want to be protected from spoilers we want to be protected from like having an emotional investment in something that we don't necessarily want to have an emotional investment in or we want to know whether we should have an emotional investment in it um and then the technology that surrounds it though that's the change and that's what makes it so it's like sure we're going to spoil it but i have to spoil it like right now though because otherwise i won't get my money uh girk pector says i was one of the many people that booed snyder at SDD- sdcc during the infamous panel i was proud of his sad look on his face i'm not a fan but i regret it fair and you know what? that's good like not that you feel bad. I don't want to make anybody feel like they should feel bad, but it's interesting. Uh, that is a level of self-reflection that few have, and it's worth holding on to. Like you may boo any creator in the privacy of your own home while you're reading the news. And I say, do it like feel that way, feel justified in your, in, in your uh, fandom and, 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 and in your, your personal expression. Uh, but don't do it at this poor person. Uh, they're talking about uh, reflection and getting and 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 growing, which is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, NB Yellow Paladin. I was 15 when I got into comics, and I was happier. <laughs> and I wasn't on social media. Now I'm in my late late 20s and plug into a lot of nerdy social media. Now I'm more depressed. There's there there's something to be said about you know knowing how the sausage gets made. You know there is a burden of knowledge. Sometimes it's better not to know, which is a yeah. sad truth. Personally, I like knowing because I am a firm believer that knowledge is power, but that's just mm-hmm. me. I, I genuinely think if that's the case, like here's the thing. When you're 15, you're very different from being in your late 20s. Brain's and it'll be different forming. when you're in your 30s. 
but uh you're 15 and you're happier and you like comics yeah of course you live you lived rent free in your parents house you had three square meals of you didn't pay for all you had to do was hang out with your friends all day and listen to some idiot drone on about like the scarlet letter it was a good time uh it isn't necessarily social media but it probably is. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a prevailing idea too. It's like you know, no things weren't better back then. You were just happier because you were younger and had less responsibilities and more disposable income and everything else. Yeah. What I would what I would recommend though is take a break. Like yeah, take a take a sabbatical. Like tur- like delete it from your phone. You know, don't delete the account. Just remove the app from your phone mm-hmm. and and see how and, you feel. And don't look at it on your desktop and just see how you feel and see how it feels after a week. Social media um, detox, I believe it yeah. is called. Sean D, Joel, st- people still complain about the Me 3 ending. Oh, I know they do. I know. Which, hey, hey, if you want to complain about something, complain about Andromeda. That just wasn't as well made. The one they made after that and they basically killed the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think we're caught up. So Nice. What we shall do now is we want to thank you all so much for hanging out with us. We're very yeah. lucky to have all of you here. Thank you to our super chatters for sponsoring today's show. Let us know in the comments down below what is uh, something that makes you, what is a fandom that you are really happy to be a part of? Um, and, uh, you know, What's hopefully. Something good you, you got from fandom. Exactly, exactly. How did fandom help you out? Uh, but uh, otherwise, we want to thank you so much for hanging out with us. Don't forget to check out Joel on youtube.com slash Cape Joel. And thank we'll you. see you guys here on Comic Pop. Don't forget to like the video, subscribe to our channel, and click the bell for notifications. And we will see you guys next time here on Comic Pop Returns. I'm Sal. I'm Joel. Joel. So long, everybody.